Hey, it's John. You want to look and feel your very best? Visit the team at Cool Contours. They are the number one cool sculpting provider in Virginia. Their award-winning team of certified cool sculpting elite and cool tone specialists work with you to create a fully customized treatment plan to achieve your dream body. Learn more at cool-contours.com. That's cool-contours.com. As ranked by Algen in June 2021, cool sculpting leads FDA clear to visible fat bulges in nine areas of the body. Some common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling. You, I'll marry you. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Rated PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. It's still real to me, damn it, damn it. everybody welcome to this week's edition of the still real toast show episode number 608 for october 7th 2021 welcome to this week's edition of srtu i'm one half of the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by my co-host the one and only dr trey franklin dr trey what is up my friend oh not much nice like this we were just talking off air it's almost like we're one third of the show because uh, you brought up the idea of having a special draft uh, analyst with us. Uh, so fresh off his first ever sprained ankle, uh, Sammy Franklin sitting here with me as well tonight. Yeah, we this is this is a big deal because like ESPN has Mel Kiper Jr. for their draft analyst. We have Sammy Franklin, man. I mean, how hard? I mean, how many weeks of negotiations did we go through for this? It wasn't so many as the weeks as the bribery involved. Yeah. We had to come to some kind of uh, financial negotiations. Uh, we had to break it down. So he agreed to do the show for three wrestling figures and two monster trucks. That's all it came down to? I thought you said, and a happy meal. Well, the happy meal was to get him to calm down enough to get to the negotiations. I had to bribe him to get to the table to sit down with us to then come up with a compensation package that he was agreeable to. Now, and, and how's his overall demeanor tonight? Is he, is he in a good mood? Like, what do we get? Should we, I mean, we, he, he only asked that we bring him in when we actually started talking about the draft, but do you feel like that, that he's going to have a lot of insight? Like, is he sitting there like chomping at the bit? Like what's the vibe right now? I mean, he's sitting here right now, uh, staring at the screen and then looking at you in your fire, uh, fireman outfit. Okay. So I think he's prepared. I think he knows who he's dealing with. He knows, uh, that we're not going to pull any punches. Um, and as I say that, he has decided to slide off the bed and walk away for a moment. So you did tell him no cursing, right? He's known to, 
I did. We went straight down Housen with them, like no curse words. Okay, good. Because this is a family show. All right, let's get into it. 2021 WWE Draft, night one on SmackDown. Dr. Trey, round one. Pick number one from SmackDown, Roman Reigns. He stays. Big E goes to Raw. He stays, I guess. Charlotte Flair goes to SmackDown. She's the Raw Women's Champion. She switches. Bianca Belair goes to Raw. She switches from SmackDown. Uh, thoughts there? Reigns, Big E, Charlotte, Bianca. Uh, it makes sense. Now, this is this is the surprise, Jeff. Usually, as as Sammy's doing his Elias impersonation by playing my guitar, uh, is that there's usually five draft picks, and they didn't do that this year. They went even Stevens right down the middle, two and two. Usually, Raw would get three, SmackDown would get two. Um, but the first round picks there with with Roman staying on SmackDown, Big E staying on Raw, not surprising. Those are guys kind of like they're gonna be the, the anchors of those shows. Uh, Charlotte going to SmackDown uh, was a little surprising, but then when you see Bianca going to Raw, it kind of set the tone for what we were going to see later. But I thought it was—I thought those were pretty good moves on, on for everybody. Charlotte is a little bit more of the bankable commodity, maybe than Bianca when it comes to you know gathering ratings. That's kind of what Fox is looking for, and Bianca's kind of still in her early stages building character. So I thought it was good for the for both shows. Round two, Drew McIntyre switches to SmackDown. Dr. Trey called that one. RK Bro stays on Raw. The New Day, they switch to SmackDown. Back to SmackDown. Edge goes to Raw. He switches from SmackDown to Raw, even though he was on Raw uh, for when, once he first came back. Dr. Trey, before I send it over to you here for round two, I outright groaned when I was Like, very rare for me. Uh, I groaned as I watched them announce that the New Day was going to SmackDown. So I was very upset with that. Why are we splitting up the New Day, the trio of the New Day, again? Uh, here we are. Your thoughts, round two. Yeah, I was with you. I'm like, we just saw the, this great, you know, bloodline New Day matchup from, you know, a week or so ago. You see how successful Roman's been having the Usos have his back. We're also kind of getting into this weird era. Like, we see it on NXT. Everybody's part of a group. Everybody's part of a stable. Uh, it's nice to have your friends around. And I, but I guess if you're a babyface like Big E, you don't need no stinking backup. Um, and they move they, they move them back to SmackDown. I'm, on one hand, it was disappointing, but the other hand, I, the flip side of it is, Jeff, we're going to get New Day Uso matchups again, and that's maybe the greatest tag team rivalry of our generation. Uh, when it comes to WWE. Yeah, that is the one big trade-off is that uh, the Usos and the New Day are going to be on the same brand. But I just don't understand, like, why are we doing this with Big E? Like, I get it last year, the growth, but I just loved seeing them reunite. So now it's another year, theoretically, outside of pay-per-views where we won't see them or the podcast itself as well. Um, I mean, probably WWE's reasoning makes a lot more sense than my fan reasoning. You know, continue to let Big E grow on his own. But I would have just loved to see the New Day working together. But I guess, like Dr. Trey is saying, New Day Usos on SmackDown, that could be the feud for the next year, and it could be every single pay-per-view, and I'd be totally fine with it. Uh, round three, night one, Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. Yes, that's an actual wrestling name now. They stay on SmackDown. Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, stay on Raw. Hit Row, join SmackDown, call up from NXT. And Keith Bearcat Lee stays on Raw. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here on round three. Happy Cor- Corbin and Madcap Ross to SmackDown. Hit Row to SmackDown. Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley to Raw. Keith Bearcat Lee to Raw. Um, so 
so are we doing 1920s gimmicks now? Like the Madcap Moss thing and Happy Corbin, like that to me. They need to bring up that the kid from NXT was named Tony D'Angelo or whatever his name is. Yes. Uh, you know, listen, I'm still learning my my new NXT ring names. You bring up Tony D'Angelo, you play with Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss. You got a little uh, mafioso thing going on there. You know, uh, that wasn't surprising them them staying on SmackDown. That's kind of Corbin's playground. Uh, Nikki ASH and, and Rhea staying at Raw wasn't too surprising because now we can get back to, to Rhea and Bianca at some point maybe as well. Um, but the, you know the 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 Hit Squad. I didn't. I think I messed that name up. Hit Row. Hit, hit Row. Sorry, Hit Squad. I was thinking of monsters. My it's, bad. It sounded like such a white guy right there. By the way, yeah, yeah. the Hit Squad. Like uh, like when Dan, um, oh the guy from America's Top Team called the Inner Circle. The what, what did he say? The inner. He didn't. What was it, Sammy? Oh, Sammy's just saying that he doesn't like Dan Lambert. Oh, Dan Lambert. He called the inner circle the wrong name during AEW. Especially, yeah, yeah. But I was. I mean, I. I don't know. This is this is one of the things. But I hate when they call it a draft because what you're telling me is that you're banking on Hit Row to be bigger stars than anybody you draft on SmackDown afterwards. Because that's how a draft works. You get a first round pick, a second round pick. Those guys are supposed to be anchors of your, you know, found you know, anchors of your team going forward. You know, so that I just I don't like the placement of it to save them for a little bit later. Uh, but they have a lot of talent. You look at those. You look at those that that group with, with Swerve and Fab and Top Dollar and Ashante. Like they got a ton of talent. Um, and if you can draft four people instead of one, it does kind of make sense in that aspect as well. I was very surprised with the move, though, because I felt like Hit Row was starting to gain some momentum on NXT. It's kind of gone back and forth. So to see them get the call-up was a bit early. I, I like the gimmick, but I think it's still in those infancy stages that would be really good for NXT where it was growing some. It would be like pulling the Street Profits before the Street Profits became who they were, the revival before they became who they were. It was like it was too soon of a move, I felt like, but one that probably... WWE felt desperate in doing because of the way things have been going for them so far. So yeah, and, and also, and I hate to throw this out there, but it it kind of feels like well, we're moving the Street Profits to Raw, which we'll get to that in a little bit. And the New Day is coming back over, but the New Day may not have the the, the street cred as what the Street Profits do. So maybe we need to counteract that with another team that has that kind of edginess to them. Um, it just kind of felt i don't want to say it felt rushed in the sense because like you said they were to me they they hadn't hit their stride in nxt yet they were about to get there but to move them to the, the main roster and then the promo they cut on later in the night uh made it feel like it was a babyface promo and i'm like are we getting the hit squad or sorry <laughs> are we getting hit row as baby faces they, like, they've been working as baby faces in nxt lately yeah, but then when they came in, they were heels, and I guess they, they got default babyface role because of work against Legado Del Fantasma, uh, which I said that way better than I just said hit Rover. Yeah, I would I would have lost that bet. But yeah, interesting call up there at, from NXT to SmackDown. Did not see that one coming. Hit Row, no longer in NXT. Got to figure that uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, who barely has defended the NXT North American Championship, will be dropping that to Santos Escobar. Uh, on this week's edition of NXT 2.0. Uh, and then finally from round four here, Naomi stays on SmackDown. Ray and Dominic Mysterio go back to Raw. Jeff Hardy switches back to SmackDown. And Austin Theory, another NXT call-up, goes to Raw. 
your thoughts here on round four, night one, Dr. Trey? Yeah, this was a little bit more interesting. I mean, Jeff Hardy on SmackDown, that always feels like a good fit to me. Like, every time he's on SmackDown, I think he does better. Um, and, you know, and the Austin Theory thing, I was just like, I mean, we talked about it two years ago when he got the call up to the main roster to to work the WrestleMania stuff with uh, uh, Andrade and, and Angel, Gonza- Angel Garza and Zelina Vega that this guy is one of those guys they're begging on to be a future star. And in NXT, he was, you know, the sidekick. And it's kind of where they're calling up the sidekick in none of the main players in this spot. But he's got the look. He's got all the potential in the world. Um, it's just, you know, do they actually give him a push or does he become kind of filler as you're building up some other big stars around him? Yeah, it's it's an interesting call up. I mean, they're going back down that well again, right, Dr. Trey? It seems like he must be very well liked. You would think that, but then he got that weird demotion to NXT when the when Paul Heyman left the Raw writing team. Heyman was really high on him. Um, and, and then he got kind of demoted back down to NXT and repackaged. So it's maybe his attitude's improved, and he's he's kind of you know mended whatever fences he had knocked down earlier. Because it is weird to see a guy go from you know the main roster back to NXT to get drafted back to Raw, you know, instead of just getting the random weird call up in the middle of the year. Yeah, it was um, it was a little bit weird. He, I think he got caught up in that whole Me Too stuff that was going on at the time as well. He was paired up with Rollins just before he yeah. was leaving. So he had left the whole Zelina Vegas stable, was paired up with Rollins and Buddy Murphy, and then just quietly disappeared and then appeared in the way. And I thought he was fantastic in that role uh, yes. with the way he, he again, like hit row, but he's been off the TV for, for such a while now, uh, like a couple of months at NXT until reappearing during the wedding angle that I just felt like Austin theory. If he stayed a little bit longer, the trajectory that he was same with hit row. Like I just said, was on the path of being completely over with the NXT fan base, which I know doesn't necessarily correlate lately to the main roster, but it does to me since I enjoy have enjoyed NXT all these years. Uh, and then finally, supplemental picks. This came to us from Talking Smack on Raw. Akira Tazawa's, Tazawa stays. Alpha Academy switches. Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz, they switch. Dewdrop stays. Dave Ma- uh, Drake Maverick stays, I, I guess. John Morrison stays, Nia Jax, R-Truth, Reggie, uh, they all stay. T-Bar stays on Raw and breaks up with Mace. Zelina Vega switches uh, from SmackDown to Raw. Dr. Trey, from the supplemental pick, I love the move of Alpha Academy coming over to Raw because I think they're on the cusp of breaking out as a tag team, in my opinion. Yeah, that was the one I really liked. The only thing I don't like with a lot of these supplemental picks, and, and we'll talk about this more when we get into the, the second night where the picks is, you know, they kind of switch the bottom of their card every single year. And the only thing I have against that is if you're bringing over a lot of raw lower card, mid card guys at SmackDown, you're not getting change ups in feuds. You're just getting change up in color schemes. It's like, yeah, we saw this feud on Raw. Now it's on SmackDown. And, you know, now we're seeing this feud that we saw on SmackDown on Raw. So I, I kind of wish they would maybe limit the number of quote unquote supplemental picks and, you know, you don't have to switch up everybody. Switch up like a handful of people, and then that, that freshens up your roster a little bit. Uh, then let's get to SmackDown here. Aaliyah gets a call from NXT. Drew Gulak switches. May switches and breaks up with T-Bar. Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, they both switch. Tony Storm stays on SmackDown. Uh, obviously, the big call up here from Aaliyah from NXT. She hasn't been on NXT in a while, almost like Austin Theory. Uh, Mace and T-Bar being broken up, I, I think, is 
bad news. I like Dominic Dajakovic, now known as T-Bar. So I'm concerned about him. Mansoor Mustafa Ali, I felt like they would be better on Raw because their tag team was starting to develop a little bit more, having that third hour. I think they could get lost in the shuffle on SmackDown. Maybe I'm wrong. Thoughts here on the supplemental picks for SmackDown, Dr. Trey? Yeah, the T-Bar and May split up is interesting to me because does that mean we're going to get Donovan Dajakovic back? Does May stay Mace, or does he go back to kind of being who he was, you know, previously? And then the fact that you got Dijakovic and Keith Lee on the same show as well, do we get more of those matches, which we love from NXT, but at the same time, if you try to freshen things up, maybe you move Dijakovic to SmackDown and leave Mace on Raw and let him be the muscle in the Hurt business. But that's just one guy's fantasy book. Yeah, that's just some guy just with a pad of paper just telling it like it is. It's not like Dr. Okay. Troy writes these down in his journal. Uh, night two, Monday Night Raw, round one. Becky Lynch goes to Raw. She switches, uh, I guess, because she was on Raw before she returned to win the SmackDown Women's Championship at SummerSlam, so it wasn't too long on SmackDown. The USOs, they stay on SmackDown, as Dr. Troy pointed out earlier on. Bobby Lashley and MVP, they stay on Raw. Sasha Banks stays on SmackDown. Uh, really no big moves here, Dr. Trey, other than Becky Lynch going back to Raw with a SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, and not really surprising when you saw Charlotte jump to SmackDown. You know, th- this is that, you know, old school vibe. Like, you, you want to keep your your top stars usually separated, you know, your anchor spots. Um, it is, I you know, when you look at the men's division, it's like, okay, we got to keep Big E and Roman separated for now until we can get back to that. But they always, typically they always try to keep Charlotte and Becky separated for the majority of the year. And then towards the end of the, the, the year, when we get into the season, you'll see them cross paths again, but... You know, it's it's the Cena, Orton, Cena, Batista. You know, you always wanted to keep you know two of those guys separated. The same thing with the with the four horsewomen. Typically, we always end up seeing two of them on one show and two of them on the other. So when Bailey returns, I expect to see her end up back on Raw. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Seeing her on there as well. Uh, round two, Seth Rollins goes to back to Raw. He switches. King Nakamura and Rick Boogs stay on SmackDown. Damian Priest stays on Raw. Sheamus goes back to SmackDown. So two people that switched from last year, Dr. Trey, that were big moves. Seth Rollins going from uh, Raw to SmackDown, goes back to Raw. Sheamus going from SmackDown to Raw, goes back to SmackDown. Your thoughts here on round two? Yeah, and we saw the same thing with Jeff Hardy last year. Jeff Hardy went from True. SmackDown to Raw, and then from Raw back to SmackDown this year. So once again, it's kind of weird that <clears throat> not only that, not only does you know Seth go back to Raw, but they moved Edge to Raw. So that Seth Raw feud is just basically going to be on Raw now and not SmackDown. Um, the one thing I really liked about this, which I don't know if Sammy agrees with, because I hear him being a little bit upset, we get Sheamus and Cesaro back on the same show as well, both on SmackDown. So I'm kind of, kind of interested if they're going to cross paths or the the bar forms again or where they go with that, having those two guys in their history back on the same show again. I would be for that. I usually liked I, I liked that they both were split up, but I think I would be for that, Dr. Trey. Yeah. I mean, and then, uh, oh, there was another thought I had, but we'll get to it. It'll, it'll re-trigger my brain here in a minute when we talk about Cesaro and SmackDown and stuff. Uh, let's go to round three, as Dr. Trey thinks about that. AJ Styles and almost stay on Raw. Shayna Baszler switch, switches to SmackDown. Kevin Owens switches back to Raw. And Zia Lee gets the call up from NXT to join SmackDown in round number three, which I could already hear Dr. Trey talking about uh, from his analysis in regards to Hit Row getting a round three call. Now, Zia Lee, I guess, is a lot better than a ton of amazing wrestlers. 
no disrespect there. But uh, I think real quick, Dr. Trey, I love the Shayna Baszler move to SmackDown. I think she's on the verge of breaking out finally. We're seeing NXT Shayna back. Um, Kevin Owens going to Raw. Hopefully he gets more time. Uh, Zia Lee going to SmackDown. I, I like Zia Lee. I just felt like she needed a little bit more seasoning in NXT. Your thoughts here around three? Well, Sam Lee is not a big Zia Lee fan. He likes most of the moves here, but he didn't like Zia Lee. Um, the Kevin Owens one, I don't know about you, but at this point with Kevin Owens, I don't know if WWE's ever going to give him the ball again. Because, uh, once again, he switched last year. You know, and so it's like, all right, well, he's moving back to Raw. Is he going to stay a baby face and, and be, you know, number three baby face on Raw? Or is this a chance for him to turn on turn and, you know, get into a few with Big E and maybe get back on top of their card? So I, I'm a little bummed. I, I hate them constantly moving Kevin Owens back and forth, back and forth year after year. Um, but, yeah, but the Zia Lee thing is really good. I mean, it's, it's kind of like with the lead off the theory. We haven't seen her for a few weeks. She had the falling out with uh, Tian Shaw on – on uh, NXT, and then just randomly like, hey, we're going to draft her to the main roster in the third round and do it before Nia Jax gets drafted, you know, and a few other women on the show get drafted to have more of a pedigree. She's she's great in the ring. She's gotten so much better since she broke Aaliyah's nose a couple of years ago. So, uh, but it's just interesting to see these, you know, Leah and then Zia Lee getting drafted when, you know, arguably there's a lot more talented female wrestlers on NXT than these people. Yeah, it's uh, strange, especially once I get to these names here in round four that went after Zia Lee. Uh, round four, the Street Profits switch ba- uh, switch to Raw, back to Raw. The Viking Raiders switch to SmackDown. Finn Balor switches from Raw, uh, SmackDown to Raw, and Ricochet switches from SmackDown. Uh, excuse me, Raw to SmackDown. Um, these are all, I think, great moves for b- all four people or or all the two teams. And the two wrestlers here. I like Street Profits going back to Raw. I like Viking Raiders going to SmackDown. Finn Balor going to Raw. If he's going to be with Babyface filling in that Drew McIntyre void, I like it. And hopefully Ricochet going to SmackDown leads to uh, him to finally get some sort of TV time again. Uh, your thoughts here on round four, Dr. Trey? All these people taken after Xyli. This was maybe my favorite round in this draft because, like you said, they all kind of made sense. Like we, we saw Bianca go to Raw. So naturally, if you go off the buried couple theory, uh, the profits would come as well, and they didn't break them up, which was something I, we, we, you and I talked about a couple weeks ago. That you know that was a, that was a worry. Like Montez is going to be a big star, but right now in that role he's in with with uh, Angelo Dawkins with the Street Profits, it, it's perfectly suited for him. Uh, and this kind of triggered my thing with uh, this reminded me of what I was talking about earlier. You see the Viking Raiders going to SmackDown along with Drew McIntyre. And now you got Cesaro and Sheamus over there as well. So now you can pick and choose which trio you want to run up against the bloodline because they all have history together as well. So I, I like that move. Um, you know, Ricochet going to SmackDown, I think is great for him because now he's not going to be out there chasing the Reggie around for the 24-7 title. Um, and the Finn Balor move, that's what kind of got me. That's the only one I didn't like because that to me means we're not going to find out what happened with the ring ropes from Extreme Rules because they're killing the storyline by moving him to Raw. And then it's also kind of bad news for Kevin Owens because arguably Finn, if he if he's a, stays a babyface, goes higher up the food chain than probably Kevin Owens does because he has the demon in his back pocket to pull out, which sells merchandise. Uh, round five, Karen Cross stays on Raw. Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo switch to SmackDown, newly formed tag team. 
Alexa Bliss stays on Raw. Cesaro stays on SmackDown. Not to try your thoughts. Yeah, the the Garza and Carrillo thing. Did Carrillo actually come out and turn heel, or just all of a sudden he's just randomly paired with Angel Garza? They did a little uh, vignette about this on Raw, but I think this is a storyline that's been taking place on Main Event, which is like the only WWE show that I don't watch. Uh, that and the bump. Well, which reminds me, I, I got to ask you about 205 later. Remind me about that as okay, well. Okay, okay. But it's, it's just weird that you have this little feud with Mansoor and Mustafa Ali with Angel Garza and Alberto Carrillo, and now that whole feud that we've been seeing on Raw is now moving to SmackDown. Like I mentioned earlier, with a SmackDown feud of Edge and Rollins moving to Raw, like, you don't need to move the entire, like, lower, you know, mid-card and lower card because we're just going to see the same matches just with different lighting and different ring mats. Yeah, yeah, that would be helpful. Uh, I agree with you there. Uh, so, uh, is what it is, right, Dr. Trey? Yeah. Is what yeah. it is. They, they gotta fill. They gotta fill. What is it? How many rounds do we do this year? Is it twelve rounds or ten rounds? Uh, this is uh, round six, so this would be the tenth round. Tenth round. Yeah. Okay. Uh, round six, and there's supplemental picks. Carmella switches to Raw. Ridge Holland gets a call from NXT. He goes to SmackDown. Gabe Gable Stevenson. He's a free agent. Uh, Olympic gold medalist and reigning NCAA wrestling champion. He goes to Raw, and Sami Zayn stays on SmackDown. Your thoughts, Dr. Trey, Carmella, Rich Holland, Gable, Stevenson, and Sami Zayn? Well, I mean, Carmella, once again, couples stay together. Corey Graves doing the commentary, put Carmella in the brand. But then, once again, you have Carmella, Zelina Vega, and Bianca switching brands, and we just saw them all shooting against each other a couple weeks ago. Um Gable Stevenson picks interesting because apparently I, I don't like I don't know how much wrestling he's going to be doing this year because he's still in college. Uh, he's still I don't know if this does this does this contract with WWE fall under an uh, an NIL agreement? It, it does. Yes, that's what he has. Believe it or not, it's funny you say that. So yeah, that's why I was wondering because I'm going technically if he's a college student and a college athlete, he can't actually sign a contract to be a professional. So it's an NIL deal. Um, how many appearances does he make? What does he do? I mean, this year, because, like I said, he's still in college. He's trying to defend his NCAA title this year. Um, and then Sammy staying on SmackDown. I don't know about you, but every time they split Sammy and Kevin up, I feel sad for a little while. Like, I just like them being on the same show because I know we can always come back to that at any point, and you and I will be happy about it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I like those two always feuding. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame, but... Uh... Yeah, at least Sammy was no, uh, recognized in the draft itself and wasn't falling into these supplemental picks like uh, some of these other folks. So uh, looking at Raw, Dana Brooks stays, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Ziggler switch, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin stay, Jackson Riker straight stays, Liv Morgan switches, Mia Yim, uh, it says it was a call from NXT, but she hasn't been on television since Retribution ended when she was on Raw. Miz stays, Tamina switches, they, she's now broken up with... Natalia, Tegan Knox switches. She's now broken up with Shotzi Blackheart. And Veer stays and splits from Jinder Mahal and Shanky. Uh, that'll break the heart of Dr. Trey. Uh, for SmackDown, Jinder Mahal and Shanky, they switch. They now split from Veer. Natalia stays, splitting from Tamina. And Shotzi Blackheart stays, splitting from Tegan Knox. Your thoughts here on the supplemental picks, Dr. Trey? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you broke up like half your female tag team division. So we're going to get all new female tag teams going forward. I mean, um, that's interesting. Uh, splitting up Veer and Shanky is interesting because what has Veer shown just a ton of potential that he can be on his own? 
no, and neither is Shanky. So I mean, Shanky, I get because you always want to have Gender with some backup, and Shanky. I don't know. I, that might that may be one of my top eight, top ten least favorite names. I mean, the Shanky just sounds like. Shanky either sounds like something you catch from a girl in the backseat of a, mm. of a Toyota Corolla, yeah. or it yep. sounds like the weapon of choice for Tony De- or Tony De- uh, D'Angelo. So I don't know. I like the first one, the Toyota Corolla. Um, these are the folks that were not drafted: Brock Lesnar, Oscar Bailey, Elias, Eva Marie, Lacey Evans, Graham Malik, and Lindsay Dorado. Maurice, Shane Thord, Titus O'Neil. Uh, obviously, the big name here: Brock Lesnar. He announced that Paul Heyman helped him stay as a free agent. Uh, and then the other big name that's not going anywhere, Dr. Trey, Titus O'Neil. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's only <laughs> obviously, funny. I'm kidding. I know, but Titus, Titus is as fantastic. I mean, Titus has basically almost transitioned out of the ring and into this like uh, ambassador role for WWE. Yeah, basically, so, yeah. But you know, and the other ones you mentioned, you mentioned Oscar and Bailey. They're injured, so it's kind of like, well, there's no point in drafting them. They may fit better into a storyline down the road when they come back from injury. Then we can fit them in somewhere. Uh, I was honestly surprised the Miz got drafted, considering he's you know I guess they just kind of had to figure put him on a show since he's got Dancing with the Stars going on right now, uh, and it's it's just always so funny to see a show that's on USA and Fox promote a show that's on ABC. Yeah, so a little bit uh, that's that's fun, but yeah, I mean otherwise like once you get these supplemental picks and, and the people that were like Graham Metal League, I think. I don't know. I, I thought I had read that he was trying to ask for his release. Yes. So maybe that's why he didn't get drafted. So because they're trying to figure out what to try and save it and figure it out later. Yeah, both so, of them I, actually. Yeah, so that's probably why they didn't get drafted. Um, but really, at this point, it's either go back to Mexico or go back on the independence because I think AEW may be having their sign up for. Uh, we're all all full up here, folks. Sorry, the park's closed. Moose out front should have told you. Yeah, they certainly have a lot of people. Uh, that's without a doubt. So those were the not drafted. 2021 draft is in the books, Dr. Trey. Who, who do you feel like won this draft? Because I, I felt like it was a good night for Raw and uh, a step back for SmackDown. Yeah, I, I, to me, I guess I almost looked at it as almost kind of even Stevens. Like I didn't really think anybody jumped out as the big winners. Like to me, when you look at Raw and you're going, okay, we just got Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Edge, and Becky Lynch. You could probably argue that they won if you look at the top of the card, but the middle of the card, that depth that went to SmackDown, like that was, I mean, the Viking Raiders, New Day, you know, even Ricochet, like there's a lot of depth there that got moved over to SmackDown that, you know, may give some guys an opportunity to kind of, you know, jump up. So I would, I would say, if you like I said, if you look at the top of the card, maybe Raw got the advantage, but I think the depth wise, I think SmackDown came out pretty good. Who is the NXT talent that was called up that's going to have uh, the breakout year? Who a year from now is the NXT call-up that was the most successful? Uh, I, even though I bagged on it earlier, it might be Hit Row, because I could easily see Hit Row getting into a few with the New Day. And if they do that, it, I mean, New Day's made stars of a lot of people that they've worked with in the past. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to say Hit Row probably right now, just on papers. I think there's a lot of talent there and a lot of ways they can move that stuff around, especially if you get into, you know, Nakamura versus Swerve for the Intercontinental title. Then you got New Day and uh, against Top Dollar and Ashante. And then you got B Fab in the women's division. I mean, they could make some noise and, and be kind of a breakout group over the next six months. Yeah, I like the Ridge Holland move because that at one point team. I had read that Ridge Holland was going to get a big 
push. So I was surprised that he was moved. I just I look at that guy, Dr. Trey, and I feel like um, he has those Brock Lesnar vibes. He's like that British Brock Lesnar vibes. Yeah, I mean, and once again, this goes back into the whole European thing. You know, you got Rich Holland, Cesaro, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre all on the same show Ooh. as well. So if they ever wanted to bring back the League, um, League of Nations, the League of Nations, one of the best stables <laughs> of all time. I'm just saying it's it's up there with the core. Yeah, yeah with exactly. two R's. Core is really good too. Yeah, and and then what was that Elijah Burke stable? The new breed. The new breed, man. Oh, just wow. bringing back all the hits. Yeah, Spirit. I saw Ken Doan was signed, so the Spirit Squad as well. Um, Ken Doan, new PC performance uh, coach. Uh, Let's get into King of the Rink and Queen's Crown Tournament, Dr. Trey. That kicks off tomorrow night on SmackDown. Sami Zayn and Rey Mysterio and Liv Morgan and Carmella in the first round matches. Uh, I love that the women are getting their own tournament. Obviously, I love that the King of the Ring is back. If you've been listening to the show since nearly day one, uh, I am a huge fan of tournaments in professional wrestling, huge fan of the King of the Ring, so I'm happy that this is back. Dr. Trey, what are your thoughts here? Like, how how should WWE go about things? Is this an opportunity to make someone a star or just give them a stupid gimmick like they did with Baron Corbin for the last year plus, years plus? Yeah. I mean, this, this gimmick, though, works. Like, I've It does. It You're it. right. You're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Like, if a guy's got a gimmick that's going kind of stale, you... You put a you put a crown on his head and call him a king, and people just hate the guy, you know. And the interesting thing for me is I don't know if they're actually going to make somebody be the queen because that's kind of Charlotte's gimmick, and that's why I'm a little, you know, I was like I don't really know if you can go with anybody else in that realm because you know then you got Charlotte if she doesn't is Charlotte in the tournament or are they still leaving her out? I, I I didn't see the full bracket. I, they have not done the full bracket yet, which I felt like going into the show that we would be able to break down, but they have not done the yeah. full bracket bracket yet. So if Charlotte's not in this tournament and somebody else wins the Queen's Cup, do they call her the Queen and then Charlotte's the Queen and then we got two Queens? I mean, that's a little weird. I mean, but then again, you got King Shinsuke running around still with a crown on his head, so you never know what they're gonna do here. But I would put me like put Happy Corbin and him in that tournament, right? Nakamura? Yeah, I mean to me the King gimmick always works, like I said, and, and you know who I'd love and honestly I'd love to see Sami Zayn win this thing. He's not, though, because the finals are going to be in Saudi Arabia, and he refuses to go. Refuses to go, exactly. So, But I'm like, man, you know, a King Sami Zayn would be so fantastic. Oh, I'd so, love it. I mean, th- that's what this tournament should be about, right? though, Dr. Trey, right? It should be about a breakout star. Like, for the Queen's crown side, I think this is, and I know this was big on social media, I think this is when you give Liv Morgan the ball. Like, she is somebody that fans want to see get pushed, and she deserves it. Yeah, but once again, it kind of goes off where, like, the king gimmick, <clears throat> typically a heel wins the king of the ring. Just because, I mean, look at Wade Barrett. Like, just in recent years, Wade Barrett, uh, Sheamus, Corbin, you know, these are kind of good moves to put that on the heel, on a heel because they can be just arrogant and cocky and people hate them. If we're going to do a queen, then... I don't think you put it on Liv because people want to root for Liv, and I don't know. She's perfectly suited to be that underdog role. Now, if it's a like a like a Stanley Cup trophy that they get to carry around, hey, great, Liv to win that and it gives us some credibility. And to me, on this one, when it comes to to putting the picking a winner, it kind of depends on where the gimmick ends up going post tournament. Fair enough. I think if you're looking from the heel route, I'd like to see Carmella and Zelina Vega then win this tournament. Yeah. 
Carmella, that, that, those were literally my two picks. Like Carmella being the most beautiful woman in the world. You put the queen on her, the most beautiful queen ever. Zelina could do the Aztec queen angle with it, and that'd be fantastic. Um, but if it's like literally, if it's going to be a trophy to kind of give somebody credibility, uh, I think lives lives a great pick for that as well. All right, uh, let's move on to AEW. Uh, Tony Khan, I feel like this is only the right thing to do because we talked about it on last week's show. Tony Khan, owner of AEW, addressed the EVP report that we discussed on last week's show that uh, the EVPs, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and uh, Cody Rhodes were just EVPs in title and no longer having really much of any control in the company. Uh, this comes to us from Wrestling Inc. and PW Insider. Khan spoke with PW Insider this this week and was asked for clarification on where things are when it comes to creative in AEW. Khan reiterated things haven't changed recently, but he did take on more control to make sure shows were more organized. He said, quote, yeah, I saw those reports this week, and I thought they were pretty disingenuous stuff from some of the internet wrestling writers because nothing has changed in recent months, and really the structure changed for me at the end of 2019, and it was because of me, end quote, Khan said. I felt like it needed to take over and be more accountable as the CEO. I felt like I needed to take over and be more accountable as the CEO and as the booker. I was the final say, but there was probably too many different people with input on segments, and the show wasn't as organized at the end of 2019 as I thought it could be. So for the past two years, we've been a lot more organized. I've been written every show by hand, which allows me to know which segments are where, and I think the shows have gotten significantly better. The fans have enjoyed them more. They perform better in terms of ratings, and it's been been a good change for us. But I saw somebody reporting that recently in the news, and it's not because we talked about this like over a year and a half ago. We talked about this, and I went on the record. I talked to you about it, meaning PW Insider and Dave Meltzer. This week in The Observer even wrote a pretty good account of it that nothing has really changed. Khan continued that it was actually his 2020 New Year's resolution to take on putting the shows together and avoiding content he was in favor of airing, saying this is all the stuff that came into effect at the beginning of 2020, Connor called. I had said my New Year's resolution myself was that I was going to get very organized where I told myself if there's something I didn't feel good about, I wasn't going to do it and that I was going to create much more of the work product myself, that I was going to lay out the matches, the stories, and format everything into a nice package myself. And I've been doing it for over a year and a half with the collaboration and help of a lot of great people, including the people I started with. I think the biggest difference has been instead of five people getting in a room and putting a format together, I get in a room with a, and put a format together. I also get very amused when people refer to QT Marshall, like the guy on the creative team. He's effectively my assistant, and he's great. He works his ass off. He'll show up in my room whenever I need him, and sometimes we'll call him up at 1 in the morning to come up, and I want to reorganize the show or make card changes, or I'm putting together stuff for Elevation or Dark or whatever I need. He's usually there for me, but I'm very hands-on with this stuff, and it's been that way for a long time, so I thought it was really disingenuous. Somebody talked about it the week, this week, like it was news, and then people act like there had been some change, but there's been no change, Con stated. I've been in that position for a long time, and I think that we've had our shows, in my opinion, have gotten stronger recently. And there are a number of things you can attribute it to. One of the things I think you can attribute to is the great star power that, co- that has come in, and we're getting a lot of great wrestlers which who bring, ton, who bring tons of great attributes, including their experience, their great ideas, and trying to integrate those things. Then me, myself personally... I think I've gotten better and more organized over the last couple of years at doing this job, and I've learned a lot in the past two years. So essentially, Dr. Trey, Tony Khan, dismissing the reports, says he's in control of creative, which we've heard. And he has said before, the EVPs have not lost any type of stranglehold in their positions in the company. It's just that it's more funneled to him as the main person running AEW, which I agree with him. The show has been better since I guess essentially he really took over. I think you look back at those end of 2019 dynamites. I think of that nightmare collective stuff and it was awful and uh, admittedly awful. And then AEW got better. So 
uh, you know, sometimes when you see these reports, it makes you wonder, like, is there some chinks in the armor right now? Like, is is there some issues going on in AEW? Because we keep hearing about not everybody getting along, not everybody getting along, not everybody getting along. Creative. They're not removed. They're now removed from it. Shows have gotten better. Tony's gotten better. But the EVPs haven't. So is there smoke with this fire, Dr. Trey? Or is things still fine in AEW? Well, I, I'm, it is it is hard to kind of gauge it because in my head, and, and we kind of talked about, we we kind of touched on this last week. You know, when we analyzed this, to me, the only thing that really changed is the filtering system of creative going through Tony Khan, and that's one thing that you know Jericho you talk about. Like the one great thing about WWE is you always knew where the buck stopped. Everything ended up having to go through Vince, and I think that was kind of the reorganization plan in a sense with AEW was that everything final has to go through Tony because he is the, he's the boss. And I think that the roles, the EVPs have have kind of shifted into different areas. Like we talked about like, you know, Kenny Omega helping out with the women's division, you know, Cody's kind of the brand ambassador and getting AEW out on, on different platforms and getting attention in different avenues. You know, the, the bucks, you know, working with the tag team division. I think that's kind of, where they've gone and been, you know, being EVPs is, you know, you're executive vice president, but in a lot of ways, you're still like a producer of, of shows and talent. So <clears throat> I, I don't think that there are necessarily chinks in the armor. I just think the jobs have kind of, the roles have changed for the EVPs and with, with Tony Khan in, in relation to how the company works and going forward. What do you think of uh, Tony Khan as a booker? Uh,. Plus, I guess this. I mean, there. I mean, honestly, there are some of these matches and some of these feuds that we have going on that I'm looking at. I'm going, did anybody? I mean, like we talked about last week, did anybody clamor for a CM Punk versus Hobbs feud? Like uh, CM Punk was, did. <laughs> I know Punk did, but does the once again you get back to what does the audience want to see? Yeah. And and as a fan, that wasn't one of the guys in AEW that I was like, man, I want to see CM Punk wrestle Powerhouse Hobbs. I want these Ricky. I want to see Ricky Starks and CM Punk. Sure. Brian Cage and CM Punk, but Hobbs wasn't on the top of my list yet. You know, there's a few of these rivalries that pop up, and I'm like, I, I don't think anybody in the in the wrestling fandom was super excited about. Um, and so I think in sense, some every now and then, like, yeah, like I want to wrestle Powerhouse Hobbs. Tony just goes, all right, cool, without thinking about, but that's something that people want to see. So I mean, I, I get it. You're trying to work with a guy that you're trying to help build up, but. Sometimes these guys have to get themselves over before somebody else can get them over. I, I just don't think Hobbs has ever actually been over with the fans yet. So, so I, I give Tony Khan. I mean, once again, he's a rookie booker. He's never done this before. So, overall, I give him a B plus. But um, there are some things that come up that you and I just look at and go, "That doesn't make a ton of sense." But it's their show. Let them let them run their route. Do you think the EVPs have lost power? Um. To a degree, but I think they may have lost power in the eyes of people because at the end of the day, if you're the CEO of a company, you still have all the power. Um, and I think on when the show started, he leaned on them more until he got comfortable in the role. And then he's just assuming the power that he actually had from the beginning, I guess, makes sense. So they probably have lost a little bit of luster in the eyes of the fans when it comes to the creative aspect. But once again, you see Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes on two other shows, you know, not that's not AEW. You know, we're seeing video games coming out because that's one of the things Kenny loves. You're seeing other, you know, the women's division get better. You're seeing 
the, the work they're putting in in other aspects of AEW is elevating. So I don't know if they've lost power. I think their power structures shifted in a sense. I would say also, too, from the outside looking in, um, I do feel like that there's some issues there. But you wouldn't know it because I think everybody who's an EVP is enjoying what they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. If you look at the roles they're in, like Kenny loves women's wrestling and he loves video games. So although he may not be a big voice on creative, he's working in a field that he loves. Same with what Cody's doing. Same with what the Bucks are doing. The Bucks are helping out with merchandising. That's something they're known for. Plus, you got guys like Chris Jericho, who in my eyes has risen in power in AEW. I think a lot of stuff runs through Chris Jericho. I think a lot of stuff now is running through, going to be running through Punk and Brian Anderson because these are, when, when it's it's just like when you have a major sports team, like, you know, if, now, not Jeff's favorite NFL team, the Packers, but for a lot of NFL teams, like you look at Tampa Bay, they're going to run stuff by Tom Brady because they got to make sure that he's happy because he's the star. And I think they do that a little bit more in AEW than they do probably in WWE where it's Tony Khan's final decision, but he's going to run stuff by the guys who are making him the most money right now. And those are the guys like, you know, the, the elite, Cody, you know, the elite, Cody, Punk, you know, going to be Brian Danielson. Jericho, like he's going to run stuff by them before he puts it on TV. Dr. Troy, real quick here before we get into the second anniversary of AEW Dynamite, um, I may be in the minority here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because the last couple times I've, I've listened to CM Punk cut a promo, I kind of thought they were a little cringeworthy and not that good. I think we need heel CM Punk back. I'm not, I'm not really feeling the CM Punk promos lately. What, what are your thoughts about that? Are, are you turning into Vince Russo right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been listening. I feel like they always give him 10 minutes, and I don't really know what he's selling sometimes. No, I, I agree. And I think a lot of it is... I don't uh, want to say that, by the way. I know. And I think part of it is we haven't had him in a real feud. Like, a real, like, intense rivalry. Like... Everything he's done, I want to wrestle Darby Allen because I think Darby Allen's good. He deserves it. You know, like, it's this mutual admiration society, so it's hard to get that fire out of Punk. Punk's having fun. <laughs> and if you don't rein him in, he does meander and ramble a little bit. Um, but you can see glimpses. Like, that promo a couple weeks ago before he wrestled Hobbs on Rampage. The first five minutes of that promo was all over the place. The last five minutes when he got down to business... It was really good, and it's, I think that's the thing. As long as he's focused, it's a good promo. But when he doesn't really have any meat on the bone, it's basically just him coming out and you know talking to the fans and, and, and talking about different random things. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the, 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 the promo they did that closed the show after the show in Philadelphia where they had the ECW guys come out and Punk came out uh, in the middle of it. Like, it, it just kind of feels like, hey, I'm going to go out here and talk for a little bit, have some fun, and just see what happens. Um, but I think once he gets into a, a good feud, whether he's a babyface or a heel, we're going to see a little bit of that CM Punk fire come back. Yeah, I hope so, because I, uh, I, I'm not really digging, like, friendly CM Punk right now. Like, I thought that the part where he gave the Jordans to the kid was really cool, but it's like he goes out there and cuts a promo for 10 minutes, and it's like, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. What am I watching? Uh, second anniversary, AW Dynamite this past Wednesday, Dr. Trey. Two years in the books. 
I think it's been an extremely successful two years for AW Dynamite, and there's more uh, really good episodes of AW Dynamite than there is really bad ones. I mean, it's, there's very few and far between poor episodes of AW Dynamite, in my opinion. How do you uh, look back at Dynamite these past two years? Um, first year, a little bumpy, a little all over the place. Um, second year, much better. I thought second year, like you said, there were way more there were way better shows than there were bad shows. I still think, you know, sometimes the, the placement of matches on the card don't make a ton of sense. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I like seeing Omega in the opening match. They love the yeah. opener, though, Dr. Trey. I know. And, I, and, and honestly, I think that was something they adjusted because the way the first year went where they had to cut main events short because guys ran over early in the show. So, you know, if I want to give... Omega and Brian Anderson 30 minutes, I gotta put the beginning to make sure nobody, you know, causes a timing issue. Um, and that's the and that's the only thing I have. It's more about the placement of matches on the show and, and stuff like that. But overall, like you said, like there's way way more better shows or better episodes than there are bad episodes. So um, but for a company that's only two years old, I, I don't know if you can look at any other company, and I don't mean just in wrestling, I just mean in general that have had a, a more meteoric rise than AEW in its first two years. Yeah, it's it's pretty phenomenal, right? I mean, this run is really good. Like, if I had to give it a letter grade since we've done that already tonight, I'd give it like an A-. I mean, yeah, what, I, what do you think? What would you give AEW Dynamite? Yeah, sorry. I had to pick Sammy up because Sammy was arguing about letter grades here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, like, Sammy, Sammy loves WWE. So, I mean, I think he would probably be in the B range, but me, I'm an A minus. I think, you know, uh, you know, for a long time, you and I knocked the women's division. I think the women's division has actually gotten better over the last, you know, six months in AD. But a lot of that was putting Britt Baker on top of the uh, on the top of the card. Uh, but the, the, that was the one weak spot. Really, was the women's division. I think it's got it's it's solidified a little bit. And, um, now with another title, it's going to be interesting how they how they run that second women's title in AEW. But uh, Overall, A minus sounds pretty spot on, and I don't know how many companies can say, "Hey, we're an A minus two years in." <laughs> that's that's pretty phenomenal. No, I mean, I would give SmackDown the last two years like a B, and I give like Raw like like a C minus. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just so infrequent. And then NXT was my favorite show, and then WWE killed it. I guess AEW kind of killed it too. Uh, Doctor Trey, you brought up your last thing I want to bring up. Uh, AEW announces TBS Championship for the women's division. First time I, I, I've, I've seen this where uh, we get a secondary title in the women's division. I, I, I love this move. I would love to see a U.S. or Intercontinental Championship in the women's division in WWE as well. So I, I love this move for AEW. I think this is uh, a big deal, TBS Championship coming to the women's division. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by it. I want to see how it gets put together because, you know, you, you have a couple of shows, but I don't really know how well rampage does i mean does this guarantee a women's match on rampage every week um or when when the when the shows move around it's like that how's that going to play out um you know you, you mentioned it's like i'd love to see a women's intercontinental title in wwe it's like but you have two women's champions already it's just they're both called world champions one's on raw and one's on smackdown it would be interesting to see if they actually just made one woman's champion and one mid-card champion in wwe and see how that would go over um, and just have that champ flow back and forth like we've talked about in the past. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's an opportunity for the Anna Jays, the Ty Contes, you know, the, the, uh, 
what's that one girl? Uh, Ruby, no, Red Velvet. Oh, yeah, Red I was Velvet. just saying, not Ruby Soho. No, no, but like Red Velvet, you know, a big swole. The women that are still looking to kind of break through and get that big opportunity, this could be that stepping stone to see who can catch fire, catch the eyes of the fans, and, you know, you know, make make Tony Khan and the rest of the EVPs who don't have any power go, hey, this might be something we can move up to the top of the roster and, and challenge the Britt Bakers and the Ruby Sohos and the Hikira Sheet is going forward. Yeah, this title screams Jade Cargill to me. Yeah. God, I just need to see more Jade Cargill matches. Uh, she's she's not all that great. I mean, are you being sarcastic there? No, I'm totally sarcastic. She, yeah. she's, she's my Shane McMahon of the women's division. Uh, she has a, I mean, she is a phenomenal talker. Like, yeah. and she's got the look, right? Like, she's there. She's got the tools. Like, if she puts together the in-ring stuff, this is a five-tool player for professional wrestling. She is Bianca Belair when Bianca yes. got to the Performance Center. Yes, yes. You know, I can talk. I have the look. Can I learn to actually wrestle? Yeah. And she's slowly improving, but to feature somebody who's only slowly improving on national television is a disservice to some of the women who aren't getting featured on national television. Yeah, they they did not do her any service uh, service there by putting her in a match with Shaq and Cody, and which was supposed to be originally Brandy Rhodes in Red Velvet. I thought that was a disservice to her and yeah, her because she just was not ready for that spot. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, and it's all the hype packages up leading up to it as well. Which, like you said, if you looked at her, you're like phenomenal, phenomenal. She's like maybe the most in shape athletic woman oh. I have ever seen in professional wrestling. Yep. You know, and then she's like, wow, she's really good on the microphone. But then you see her in the ring and you're just like, yeah, she's still a year, year and a half away from being good. You know, it's the Bella Twins when they first started wrestling bad. True. That's how, that's how bad it is. Yeah, and yeah, like when Ronda first started, Ronda yeah. Rousey. It took, I mean, it only took the Bellas 10 years <laughs> to get there. So, I mean, Ronda got there pretty quick, though. So maybe, but Ronda had the footwork down and everything else from her MMA background. She just had to get the timing down. Jade's starting from scratch. And so that's why it just makes me nervous as to how long this is going to last. But then if you put somebody who's that, that naturally freakish of an athlete with the TBS title, who do you then have defeat her? And that's kind of the booking angle right you go with. It's like maybe this is a perfect role for a Penelope Ford or the mm. Bunny or some of those. Anna J. Yeah, that, that you don't physically match up with a Jade Cargill or a Nyla Rose. Yeah, I'm with you. So, interesting move. I thought the women's tag team titles would have been here first before a secondary championship, certainly. But uh, here we are. Big move by AEW announcing the TBS championship. Uh, with that said, Dr. Trey, let's wrap up this week's edition of SRTU. Let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com. WrestleChatNet on Twitter and the Still Real to Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket City Championship Wrestling. Just had a really big show this past week. It was our annual John Sucker Evans Memorial Tournament Cup. Uh, big night of wrestling for, for those involved in there. 
uh, the, I'll put the pictures up on the SRTV page before long. And Jeff, you can see me. I'm, I am prepping. I don't know if you saw this on Facebook. I am prepping for the 2023 Super Bowl show as I did three costume changes uh, last Saturday night. And this coming up next Saturday is our Halloween uh, edition of Rockets and Championship Wrestling. So uh, I'll probably be in costume for that as well. Do you have an idea what you're going to be? Can you spoil it for us? No. So, uh, the, uh, the, the CEO of Rocket City suggested being a vampire. And I'm like, I'm a short bearded fat guy. Vampires don't look like me. Maybe, maybe a troll that you should, I don't know. Um, What's that yeah. clown from like Rob Zombie's movies? Captain Howdy. That's, I actually dressed up at him as an indie show a couple of years ago. So that, that's, in, that's in the playbook that I could do that. Uh, and that's one thing that we we're discussing because this year, which is probably the last year we get to pick Sammy's costume. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think you should do something like really ironic and like stupid, like uh, like Sting. <laughs> That's an all-time inside joke between Dr. Trey and I because I just loved the story that he told that the guy he used to host indie shows with decided to show up as Sting. And it was unbeknownst to Dr. Trey. One of the best stories ever told. So. So, I mean, we bald head, a little bit of beard. I don't have, he has a much better going to find goatee than I do, but I did dress up as Taz at an indie show once, just because it was a Halloween show, and I was like, I have suits and I have a bald head, so I'm going to get Taz. Yeah, absolutely. Do it, absolutely, man. So, uh, on next week's show, we'll kind of preview and predict what we know about WWE Crown Jewel, because in two weeks, uh, that show airs that earlier that day. So, uh, until next week. For Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Pack. Feel free to chime in at SRTU Podcast on Twitter or Facebook.com slash the Show. And tell Dr. Trey what he should dress up as for Halloween at Rocket City Championship Wrestling. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Pack. This is the Still Real Show. Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Ready PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.